Welcome to the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club Show presented by Honey Stinger. This is a podcast that will make you want to get outdoors and will give you some great ideas as a sport parent, athlete, or coach. Born in the beautiful mountain town of Steamboat Springs, Colorado, the Winter Sports Club was founded over a century ago and now serves a majority of kids in our community and has produced more Winter Olympians than any other club in North America. There are secrets and great stories to share as we play year-round in these mountains we call home. Our calling is to develop complete athletes on and off the mountain by cultivating a passion for the outdoors and a love of sports at all levels. Stay tuned to hear from Olympians, athletes of all ages, coaches, experts, and people who are doing amazing things to make an impact in our community and in their sport. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former professional triathlete who finally discovered the joys of skiing in my late 40s when I moved to Steamboat Springs with my husband, Tim, and my fifth grade daughter, Wilder, both of whom are very involved in the Winter Sports Club as a ski and bike coach and a young athlete. Today, we get to meet someone on the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club leadership team, our own athletic director, Dave Stewart. Here's my opinion, and I think you're going to agree with me. He's one of those guys you wish you had known your entire life, and you're lucky because you get to know him now. He's fun honest, open, and positive, even when digging deep into the big questions, the ones that help create our value systems, the questions we're going to dig deep on today. So I realized after I was listening to our original interview that I didn't give you any background on just what a badass Dave is. So here goes, you need to know this. Prior to starting with the club in 2019, Dave was the Nordic skiing head coach for 12 years at the University of Denver. In that time, He led his teams to six NC2A titles, two individual titles, and he coached 21 NC2A All-Americans. Dave was named the Rocky Mountain Intercollegiate Ski Association's Nordic Coach of the Year six times. He raced cross-country through college and later as a pro athlete, which you're going to hear much more about in our interview today. But in addition to his athletic accolades, Dave received his MBA from the University of Denver Business School. He and his wife, Haley, a former world-class biathlon athlete, have two young children who you'll find running around outside all year. And I can't wait to see what they do in this world Are you ready for a fun conversation with Dave Stewart? I sure am. Now let's get started. Hey, friends. Welcome back. We are so excited. I'm so excited. My guest is so excited. I'm here today with Dave Stewart. For you longtime listeners, a couple months ago in the intro, you heard from him. He's one of the guys who helped set the foundation for this project, this podcast. And we were sitting around going, hey, what topic do you want to talk about? Because Dave's got a lot to say. He's got a lot of experience and we need to hear from him. And he said, you know, I kind of like the idea of dissecting the question we ask every guest. And in case you haven't listened before, that question is, what is the greatest lesson you've learned through sport? So Dave, are you ready? I'm ready. Thanks, All right. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. Can't wait. But before we get to dissecting the big question, I think we really need to dig into how you got started in sport to get your perspective. 
to learn how sport became part of you. And only then can we really dig into what you've learned, right? We, if you just dive into what you learned, we're like, well, how'd you get there? We kind of want to know. So I think this is kind of universal for everybody. When you're really thinking about the lesson you learned through sport, and we're going to invite all of you today to think about the greatest lesson you've learned through sport you have to consider the full journey. So Dave, let's talk about it. How did you get started in sport? Tell us about your athletic journey. Sure. Well, I think everyone comes to sport from such a different place, right? It's one of the things that's so special about it, right? Like everyone has their own unique journey. It's not the same, certainly. And mine is unique. I grew up um, until I was about seven on a a little farm in Vermont. Uh, My parents were really into that. So, and they'd gotten into skiing um, in the seventies there. And, uh, so my entry point into skiing with them was really just skiing on our farm. So my dad would take me out when I was three, four, five years old on cross-country skis, um, skiing up the gradual part of a hill and then skiing down the steep part. And then we build a jump and uh, let it set up and hit that. And I really only went up to go down, right? That was the fun part, right? The going up was just the work, but we called it Norpining, which we thought I think was really unique. Um, I think some other people have used that word for it, but it was just um, this idea of just sort of out the back door, um, using our environment. My parents um, had moved to Vermont from elsewhere, but they didn't have as much skiing. So they thought skiing was awesome and wanted to expose me to that. So for me growing up, it was a very natural thing to do is sort of just kind of go out the back door, throw on some skis and go out with my parents, um, skiing. Um, so did you have siblings who joined you on this journey yeah. in, in addition to your parents? Yeah. I had an older sister. Um, at that point, I have a younger sister who's seven years younger than me, who's a very enthusiastic skier as well, but we did it as a family. So all this was as a family and it wasn't really as like an, a structured, organized sporting activity. It was just part of our lifestyle, right? So in the summer we would be hiking and, um, kayaking, um, and then in the winter we skied and sledded and skated. So it, it wasn't really this distinct, like focused thing. It was just something that we did together that I ended up really enjoying. And I think my parents saw that in me. So were you of the generation where your parents were like, get outside now, like stop doing whatever you are inside. It's time to get outside. And that's when you were like, all right, what can we do out there? We've got to, let's put the skis on and, and explore. Yeah. You know, my parents were kind of hippies a little bit on the counterculture side. So being outdoors was seen as a really positive thing to be doing. Right. So we didn't have a television at that point. Um, you know, we spent, my father would have spent all day outside, you know, farming with our, with our animals. So, um, for us to be outside, my mother gardened a lot. So just that outdoor lifestyle was something that was very important to my parents. And I think if there's something they wanted to pass on to their kids, it was that. So, you know, it came it really that, that introduction to sport came more as just a uh, part of being outside, part of a healthy lifestyle, part of um, just making the most of your environment and less as a really structured thing to really focus on sport as a progressive thing. I didn't have any team, um, no structured trainings of any kind. And we might have some ki- other kids over. I think we had a, a few pairs of skis. So if like neighborhood kids wanted to ski, we have some skis that can put them on and get together and do that. That is so cool. So cross country was kind of how you got started mm-hmm. in the skiing world. Okay. So you learned how to go downhill like fast or in a fun way on cross country skis. 
mm-hmm. which is kind of scary for a lot of people, to be honest. Sure. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. they're so skinny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so great. And I love that it just was like a natural thing you did. So, um, okay. So a lot of parents are listening. Maybe some kids too, but mostly parents are probably listening. You've mentioned yours. How important do you think your parents were to this part of your journey? They were really important. Um, you know, they were, uh, without them, I would not have done this, right? There's no question about it. That exposure, um, to have it be something that we did together, they supported was critical, but I think also together with it, that it wasn't just about me, I think was really, really important. So it wasn't just something that, oh, our son should ski or our kids should ski and they're going to be competitive and we're going to support that. Um, when we skied as a family, we did it all together. And this was all through my youth until I went to college. Like we would go, when I, when we would go to ski in the afternoons after school, it would be my mother and I, or my father and I, or all three of us. And then my older sister and younger sister going together. So it was very much a family activity. So that element of it being, um, not just about me, um, took a lot of the pressure away. I think too, it wasn't like, you know, we're, we're making this sacrifice for you. It was something that it was just, it always felt like something that our family did together. So we didn't have that focus on results, focus on, um, comparing to other kids. Um, it was far from professionalized, uh, right. It was very much, um, very informal. We did have something that was very special called the Bill Coke Youth Ski League, which is named after this, um, uh, Vermont Olympian and cross-country skiing, Bill Koch, who won a silver medal in the 76 Olympics, I believe. And, and very quick, and he had a very um, dynamic personality and that kind of um, captured people's imaginations. He was very um, into this outdoor life as well and, and kind of really captured people's um, excitement about cross-country skiing. So they started this youth ski league named after him. So we would race uh, maybe five or six times a winter from a very young age, starting with what's called a lollipop race, which just a 400-yard race, and you get a lollipop at the end. And then these races that would take place in central Vermont, uh, I think they were at maybe 1 o'clock on a Saturday. So you get get up and get your pancakes and do your normal routine, and then drive for an hour or two and do a a 2k race with, with, uh, people from the region who are doing that. And, and through that, I got exposed to other kids who are, who are doing it. Um, parents who are really passionate about it. Um, I was lucky to have, um, some kids, parents who are coach of the U S ski team. So I got, it got kind of plugged into the, the sport at a pretty high level, people who are really passionate about it. Um, so that was really unique, uh, to have that experience. And, and I was also very lucky, um, Grew up in a place in near Middlebury, Vermont. So the local college there, Middlebury College, owned Alpine and cross country ski um, areas in my hometown. So it was five minutes away to do Alpine or cross country. So it was very. There's not much else going on, but I did have that there. So it was pretty easy for my parents to do that, and, and I think that was um, really important. And also, I think it's when I think about how I compare that to here. Um, you know, the structured training is very small, right? Like the struct, even if you have two or three or four sessions a week with your, um, coaches, that's only a small part of a kid's week, right? Like it's only, uh, you know, five or six or eight hours at that youth age, right? What the parents and what the friends are doing is so much more important than that, right? So many more hours. So, um, that's something that keeps coming up is that 
we're just a piece of the puzzle and a kid's, even their athletic development, what their parents are doing, what they're doing with their friends, what play they're doing. That's even much bigger really than that. What's, what's the, what conversations you're having at home? Um, are you skiing together on the weekend? Um, and I was lucky to have a lot of those things. Oh, it, you, it's interesting. I wonder at the time if you felt like you were lucky because now you know you're lucky. Did you feel lucky? No, I, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, you, you don't, when you're a little kid, you, I don't think you can compare, right? So you're kind of like, I guess I'm from this little town in Vermont and it's snowy outside. So I guess I'll go do this. But I would probably have rather, you know, I looked at BMX racing in Southern California, like that looks awesome, right? Or or surfing in Hawaii when that looks incredible, right? So it, was, it, it wasn't a real feeling of being fortunate. It's only really in retrospect that you realize how lucky and how fortunate you are. I think that's experience a lot of people in Steamboat have when they go outside of this community, right? To go, oh, not everyone has a community ski area in downtown, uh, you know, five minutes from where they live or from schools to train at, and then another another facility right away or four cross-country centers, that type of thing. So it's really only in retrospect that kids will appreciate those things. Oh, that's just such a hard thing to hear. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you have kids too, yeah. though. So I mean, yeah, we can talk about that one until our, <laughs> until our, as long as we want. But it's only it's you have to go experience <sighs> other things to recognize it. I know, I know. Oh my gosh. Well, so I'm kind of like taking the leap from you sliding down like snow covered cornfields or whatever crop you grew, or um, and then suddenly being in these events. Was there a transition point when? You, in your athletic journey, went from doing all kinds of different activities to realizing like, whoa, skiing's my thing. You know, I don't remember that well because it's a long time ago, but I don't remember not really identifying as um, being like a, a ski racer, right? So, and my, to be clear, my background is cross-country skiing. That's that, and on the snow sports side, that was my focus all along. So it was from a very young age. Um, I don't know if that was something that I came up with or my father probably maybe encouraged as well, but from a very young age, I, I love to ski race. So, um, you know, I remember, and I don't remember my parents would tell me, right. The first little race you have like these two, it's a ski around a 400 meter, like loop. Right. And there's one group that goes first. Right. And then I'm in the second group. And I'm kind of going, I don't, why are these kids skiing? Why, why do they get to start and get a head start? I don't really understand this, right? And then they let, when they get halfway done, they let my group start, right? And I go, wow, it's going to be really hard to catch this first group to win this race, right? But I, you know, I caught the whole first group and won the race. And, my, and I'm telling my parents, like, my quote was, it was really hard to catch that first group of skiers. I got that got a head start. So I love, and I don't say it to say that I was a fast skier, but more that I love to compete. Right. Oh, I love yeah. sport and love to compete. So I, and growing up, I did a lot of different sports. So I played soccer. I did swimming for 10 years, um, did, you know, mountain biking, running races, all these things. Like I love to compete and ski racing, um, was, um, a great outlet for that for me. Um, and I think kind of, I disidentified with, uh, um, the culture of racing or maybe my parents did a little bit as well and the people who did it. So, um, they definitely encouraged my interest in becoming a ski racer, you know? So we were doing some specific training, even in the off season, you know? So we were doing things like hiking with poles in the mountains, right? It wasn't like coach driven. I didn't have a coach at this age or really ever until I went to college, but, um, you know, we would have skied every day in the winter, for example. So 
every day, you know, unless it rained or something. Right. And then in the off season, we would have been doing some, a lot of hiking together, hiking with poles. Um, I think my father started ordering these like tapes, like VHS tapes of ski races from Europe. This is the only way you could see this, right? Cross country skiing was not on television. Right. So the only way to see this would be to buy these, um, VHSs of world championship or Olympic races that were happening in the eighties. And that I'm sure was a huge thing to see, at what the sport was in Europe and to see the world championships, um, to see people skiing at this, at the, at the highest level and the type of technique they were using. That was something that I, uh, got really into and watching those races and trying to ski like them, right. Trying to do that, right. Trying to do what these crazy Swedish and Italian guys were doing out there. Um, trying to emulate that myself and kind of be like them. Um, I really love your parents. I appreciate your parents because there's something about how they moved you along. I, I keep thinking of like breadcrumbs. They're like, well, if we throw this little thing out, let's see what little Dave likes, you know, let's see how he absorbs that. And they're like, let's try this. And they throw a little VHS tape to you and you're like, oh, and you realize, oh, that's how he learns. That's how he's going to sponge this stuff up is by seeing it. And then you would take that forward. And I just kind of like am thinking about your parents spreading these little breadcrumbs on the ground and you sort of grabbing each one. And it's just such a cool tactic because a lot of parents want to try to force their kid into something full bore, but it almost seems like there was a gradual approach to you. It was built into your lifestyle and when they recognized that you were getting passionate or more excited about something, they introduced the next thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing is more important than parents in the development of a, of a kid, of, of course, right? And we all know that, but that applies to sport as well. Um, and, you know, I think about the difference between that time maybe and this time a little bit. And there was, there was no internet, right? There was no, there were no podcasts on sport parenting, right? Or resources to, to go to. It was kind of word of mouth and intuition, right? Or something you'd learned um, while you were growing up from a coach. So a lot of trial and error, you know, so um, they put a lot of energy into it. Um, but it was, I think I want to be clear. It was, it was seen as something that was good for the overall person, right? Um, sport was not a means to an, to an end, right? It was not, um, it was, there wasn't some sort of care at the end. There wasn't about, it wasn't all sport by any means. It was the idea of like, well, this is part of a healthy lifestyle. This is part of setting up our kids for a happy, healthy life. And that sport and exercise should be a big part of that. Right. So I think they were just as interested in the academic side or the social emotional development too. Uh, it's just that um, they saw sport being an integral part of just being a healthy, happy kid, right? And and being a kid, and that's um, that's something that's really important. I see too is to not jump ahead is really important um, with your kids to so let when they're seven, let them be seven with in, in every way, including sport. Um, when they're seven, they should be with seven-year-olds, right? They should be doing seven-year-old things. They should be playing. That's the best thing for their emotional development, their social development, but also for their athletic development. If you skip these important stages, you don't get them back, right? You don't, there's, you, you'll get some short-term benefit from having your kid kind of ski up or move along, right? But then they miss this really important stage of what's appropriate for a seven-year-old. They shouldn't be doing what's right for a 12-year-old, right? 
Um, and that's a really tough thing to, to share and to have people understand because you don't see those benefits right away. Those only will accrue when you're 18 or 20. And it shows that you kind of miss those important stages by pushing kids too far along. So, you know, letting, letting kids be kids and do lots of sports and not be professional, um, and not focus on the results and focus on what they are interested in. The play side, um, is really important. Well, I, I love that and I totally agree with it. And that's what I love about the club too. I mean, this philosophy, your philosophy is just so aligned with what the club is doing. It's such a perfect fit to have you come join, join us here. It's so great. Um, but I'm going to jump ahead for a second. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not your parent, so I'm allowed to. So you got pretty good at skiing though. I mean, you went on to ski in college, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So share a little bit, like kind of wrap your competitive journey up for us. And then I say we transition into how it affected your career beyond, you know, school and academics. Sure. Um, it was a little bit wild. So, um, when I was 16, um, I, so I think to back up, I never, we didn't have any coaching, right? So, where I grew up um, at the high school level, your choices when you got to a certain level in skiing, we didn't have what we have in Steamboat. You either went to a ski academy, like a, it would have been a Stratton Mountain School at that time, and, and move away from home, right? Which I think, as you can gather from this interview, would not have been very positive <laughs> for my parents. I don't think they wanted to make that choice, right? We looked into it, looked into going places like Stratton or to Sun Valley Ski Education Foundation were really good cross-country um, ski programs where they had, they set up for kids to come in at this age and do it. Right. So if you didn't have that, you're really kind of on your own, um, which is not the end of the world. Right. But we got to a point where I think my parents recognized that I was sort of reaching the, the limits of what maybe we could do just on our own or on my own, um, training myself. So I actually went to college a year early. So, um, I homeschooled for one year because it was very difficult to train. We did not have the skier schedule in Middlebury, Vermont. So you went to school from, you know, eight until three thirty. It couldn't be on snow until four. You know, so it really wasn't an opportunity to train before school. So, and I trained just once a day. And when you get to that age, you need some more time on snow, right? So, so I homeschooled, and that was a really good athletic experience and academic. My my father actually designed our my uh, um, academic program, um, which was very um, interesting. But, uh, but positive overall. And then just said, like, it's time to go to college, right? So I just applied, like, in this pretty late, I think, in the spring to University of Vermont, which is right up the road, which at that time was the best cross-country ski program in the country. Um, and went there and started off. And I was, you know, I just turned 17. Um, hadn't had a, a real formal background. And it was a bit, college was, a, I, you know, I did everything there in college right away. The full social thing when I got there, really fired up about that. I was really academically motivated, just equally to skiing. And it was a little bit rocky that first semester. You know, I was uh, to kind of sorting things out, like kind of being on a team and having, all, you know, having all these social opportunities, everything right. But then when the winter came, I was like, I love skiing, right? And, and getting back in, in with the team was really good. And um, went to NCAA championships right away for the team and, and uh, for UVM. And I think we were the best, you know, men's team at the championship that year, our cross-country team. So I'm training with these like 23-year-old athletes who, who'd grown up in, in Norway, these, the guys, other guys on the team, um, who'd had great coaching growing up, who'd had these great experiences, who'd raced at junior world championships, who'd skied World Cup. Um, for me to be 17 and be 
in that environment was like super, super motivating for me. So that was really critical. We had a great coach who, um, who had Bruce Cramer, who um, went on to be the CU coach for 20 years after I was there too. And he'd had Olympic world championship, uh, world cup experience, and it was a real athlete centered coach. So he was a good fit for me that gave me some freedom to kind of find my way with the team. But University of Vermont was awesome. I got to race there for four years and um, I, I really enjoyed that collegiate skiing environment, that combination between academics, um, athletics, being on a team, and then the social aspect is just so much fun, so much fun. So I loved it. You know, it was a great place for me. And then... Um, well, can we... Yeah. One second. Yeah. I feel like it could have gone either way. You could have been 17 and looked at these like monsters on the team who've been doing this their whole life. And, you know, these guys are specimens. You, you know, by the time you're in your early 20s and you're just crushing, you're strong and all this stuff, you could have been intimidated or and faded away and just said, forget it, I'm out, I can't do this. Or you could have embraced it, looked up to them, you know, and, and gone the other direction, which you did. Would you say that any of your athletic history prepared you to take that second approach? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think athletic development, just like any other development, is not a linear path, right? You don't start, um, start, start at one place and just go straight without any uninterruption to like the highest level, right? You have periods where you... Uh, develop a lot and things are going really well. You have periods where there's other things going on and it's rocky and you, but you learn a lot from those things, right? I, I think one of the things that I learned uh, when I started college was how much I loved skiing and ski racing. There's all this other stuff going on, right? And you kind of experiment with that and check it out and, um, you know, go to these parties and things like that, right? And then you go, ah, this is great, but I really love ski racing and training and I want to be part of that. But you would never have learned that if you weren't exposed exposed those other opportunities, right? Um, the academic challenges, that environment, right? It's like, it's, it can be rocky, right? It was not clean, but for me, that was a big part of being successful. And I think that that's something that parents, I think should really be aware of all along in their kids' athletic journey. When they see them struggling and having a hard time and they're not the best kid on the team and things aren't going well, that's when they're learning. That's not, that's the good stuff. That's not the bad stuff. Right. So when they're, it's just the hard stuff to let them go through on their own. It is. And there's a balance. There's a balance between stepping in. It's, it's supporting them through those times, but letting them face those challenges, you know, that, that combination between challenging environment, but support is the, is the right place to be. But that's something that I think is so important for parents to recognize is that when they see their kid falling in training, right. Or talking about how the team is so good and they're like, oh, there's all these other good, you know, girls and guys in the team and they're just trying to keep up with them. That's when they're getting better, right? When they're learning um, how to communicate with a coach, right? And it's not smooth to begin with. That's all these experiences are part of moving from, to the highest level in sport. You don't get to become an Olympic skier unless you've had all of these experiences, unless you've overtrained, unless you've... Uh, overcome an injury, hopefully a small injury, right? So these small, like micro challenges that can be overcome along the way are are the most important thing that there is. You you don't get there without those bumps that you grow from. So, but it is important that they're not too big, 
right? That the challenges along the way are not too big that you get knocked down, that you can't get back up. Um, but they have to happen, these challenges. So it's crazy. You know, this, this episode is about what's the greatest lesson you, you learned through sport. And I keep wanting to stop and be like, well, this is one of the lessons you learned through sport and like point out all these lessons, which you've already mentioned many through your personal journey. And I know people listening are going, yeah, I learned that lesson too. Oh my gosh, this is how mine went. Um, I think some of the biggest lessons come when you finish organized sport, like for you, maybe at the college level, and then you're faced with what next Mm -hmm. and how do I take the things that I'm good at, which at this point in my life are being an athlete and maybe something you learned in college, (laughs) I don't know, and take that to the next level or the next, next stage of life. So take us through that little transition curve, like when maybe even before we go there, did you, do you think that the pinnacle of your athletic life occurred during the college years or was that still to come? It's a good question. So I did compete for six years after college too. So, um, mostly at the national level, a little bit at the world cup level as well, um, which is a lot of fun too, and tremendously, um, valuable for my development as a person and eventually as a coach and, and what, and what I'm doing now as well. So, um, getting really into, what it takes to continue to get better um, and to manage yourself and to eke out those little percentages of improvement each year um, was really important. And now a quick break to hear from our show sponsor, Honey Stinger. Honey Stinger produces fuel for all levels of athletes using delicious honey and organic ingredients. Not only is honey rich in antioxidants, but it's also easily digested and absorbed quickly into the system to help you prepare, perform, and recover. Personally, if energy products don't taste great, I won't eat them, and I bet you agree with me. That's why I love everything Honey Stinger offers because their products are delicious. You don't even realize you're getting fueled because it just tastes like you're eating dessert. And I have never met someone who doesn't love dessert any time of day. Discover what the buzz is all about on HoneyStinger.com. Get this. Use this code SSWSC podcast for 20% off organic waffles, chews, gels, bars, and hydration to help you sweeten the burn. I'm going to repeat that for you because it's such a great deal. Get going over to HoneyStinger.com and use the code SSWSC podcast for 20% off. And now back to the show. So yeah. like, what's the transition? Because racing in, on the National World Cup level for six years after college, probably in this sport, you had to start doing some other things yeah. to start adulting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so how does that transition look like while you're t- doing these other things in your life, you continue to train and race, but you knew that something else would need to happen. And I think this is important because a lot of parents are like, we're putting so much into our kids sport and we know that it won't be their career for their whole life. Sure. That, I got it. So I'll skip ahead for me to when I stopped competing, um, and started coaching. So, um, I stopped competing in 2006. I was 26 years old, I think. Um, and I started coaching at the University of Denver as assistant cross-country ski coach there. I always knew I wanted to coach. 
Um, and, and the college level was so much fun for me, um, and a really accessible level to jump back into as well. Um, and transfer that knowledge that I'd spent the previous 20 some years building up onto, um, other skiers, right. And to give back in that way and to participate in that way. So, uh, I started coaching at the university of Denver and I loved coaching and I realized very quickly that I was a much better coach than I was an athlete. Right. But it was the experiences that I had as an athlete. Um, and, and pr- primarily I think a lot of it was having to do a lot yourself, right. Having to kind of work through these things on my own and not just be told, right. Have to like overtraining is a great example. Like, well, more is better, right. If I do more, I'll, I'll be faster. Right. And then you do that and then you learn what overtraining feels like and that, you know, how you, how your body can absorb that training. Right. And you can tell someone not to overtrain, but they don't really understand it until you do it. And you're skiing at a lower level that you're not able to train at the same level. Right. And, but then you're in a great position to advise athletes through that process. Right. So, um, I think that everything in my life leading up to that point, including athletics prepared me to be a coach and that I really love the interpersonal aspect. Um, the, the role that sport played in these young people's lives, you know, the, the college age is so much fun, right? They're like 18 to 23, 24 years old. They're at this sort of inflection point. They're moving out of their, away from their parents. They're kind of launching out into their adult life and to help them through that time and to kind of get them successfully through that time with great confidence, understanding that they can do anything if they want, whatever they want to, if they structure it correctly and make a good plan and execute on it. I love being in that place. So I coached at the University of Denver for 13 years, first as assistant coach and then as head coach for 12 years and love that experience, that relationship to athlete, that mentorship. I learned more than from the athletes and they learned from me over that time, certainly. Uh, it was uh, very challenging. I also did my MBA at that time. So studying management and then working with a team at the same time. I, so I would like walk out of class and go like, this is how I'm going to, right away, like I'm in this new team, I'm a new head coach and, you know, I'm going to bring in the upperclassmen and have a meeting and talk about how we're going to do this together, right? And how, how we're going to manage this transition, right? And how I'm going to need their help and how they're going to be part of the culture. So that was really fun to do, to have that educational component tied to coaching at the same time and then um, try to be as successful as we could. I, this is so cool. I mean, one of my thoughts was that the lessons you learn through sport are somehow impact you differently than the lessons you learn through other things in life, like school or what your parents tell you or, you know, other things. Um, and it's fun to, I don't know, first of all, do you agree with that? Like, is there something about lessons learned through sport that are more powerful or impactful? I think sport is just an, such an easy place to learn, right? I think that when we start off with sport, it's fun, right? So everyone's having a good time, right? Everyone, for the most part, they should be, right? They're enjoying themselves. We just love doing it. So that's such a, a great mental place to be for growth, right? And to learn something. If you're nervous and you don't like what you're doing, it's a lot harder to learn. If you love being out on snow and love being with the team and love competing and love Uh, how it feels to make a GS turn, then you're going to learn a lot through that experience, right? It's just how our minds work, right? We learn better. So I think that's the primary reason why 
we can learn th- so much through sport. It's it's this sort of fun, safe environment where we're, we're naturally pushing our limits, and we're um, we want to push our limits. We want to stretch and reach, and there's there's not much consequence, right? Other things in life, there there are more consequences for reaching out there and pushing, but in sport, you just fall and then you get back up. Right. Um, And failure is recognized as being fundamental to development and to getting better. Right. It's a positive thing. So I think that's why sport is a place where we learn so much, um, because I think it's supposed to be that way. I think that for thousands of years, I'm sure cultures have used sport as a way to learn right? As, as it's not by accident, right? This is like, well, we're not going to go into battle and learn there. Let's right. learn, <laughs> let's learn through a sport and practice and learn these skills. Yes. And there is just something about folding in a physical experience with, you know, the mental training that you're getting that like seals the deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not as powerful if you can't add that physical element. That's, I feel that it's hard to even put this into words, isn't it? I know. Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, yeah you're doing great. <laughs> well, you know, I think we should kind of, you've already said, you have shared so many things that I think, you know, I'm going to bullet point these and stick them in the show notes, which are lessons you've learned, but maybe we should try to summarize a few. And literally, I'm going to just ask you, what are the greatest lessons you've learned through your sport journey? There are a lot, right? So it's really hard to pick one or two. Um, but I think the biggest one is that, oh, let me back up a little bit. Um, something that people talk about in academics and sports specifically is, is talent or, or gift gift. Right. And that's, that's always struck me as being wrong. Right. And, um, now we know through science that that is wrong, that, that, uh, those are sort of things that we've made up. Um, I was reading something recently, um, a book by, uh, a researcher named Anders Ericsson, who's like the world expert on the development of skill, not just in sport, but in, in all in, in music and dance and all these things. Right. And what he learned over time was that uh, talent and, and gift that doesn't really exist. Right. But we all have this talent, this gift to learn, to adapt, to for to for us to change our mind, to change our bodies, to develop skill to a level that we don't even know how far we can go. Right. So like there's this that I think to then to say my the lesson I would say that I've learned is that we have this fundamental human gift to learn and to adapt and to become better and to continue to become better throughout our lives. Um, And that's something I feel like I learned through sport, through training and go, I want to achieve this. I want to reach this goal. I want to learn this new technique. And I learned that, well, if you make a plan and practice and evaluate and, and make a new plan and watch video and talk to some other people and then go practice a bunch more, you can do it, right? And almost anybody can do it. Um, and uh, I was just thinking about this and, you know, Roger Federer just retired from tennis, right? So uh, one of the greatest tennis players of all time, right? Um, and, you know, people, when he was in the early 2000s, if you remember, late 2000s, the greatest of all time, right? The greatest ever. No one will ever be better. Maybe the greatest athlete ever. And then within a couple of years, two other guys came along and, and started beating him, 
right? So Djokovic, you know, these there are two other people with winning records against this guy, right? So you can see right there, like it, it wasn't Federer's talent or gift, right? He just worked really hard. And then you have these other guys come along and say, well, if I learn something from him, if I work really hard, I can do the same thing. And they did, they became better. And there'll be people who are better than them, right? And this has happened in all sports. There's the four minute mile, right? Um, Roger Bannister, people, people thought or it was like conventional wisdom. You could never go faster than four minutes. There are high school kids now who go faster than four minutes, right? So I think that's such a lesson that we learn that applies to everything, right? That if I, it's not about a, a, a given skill or a given talent that I have that sets my ability to achieve something, that we all have an incredible aptitude for learning, for learning skills, for developing our minds, for adapting our bodies, for anything. Um, and that just applies everywhere. And I love this. Um, to add on to that is the idea of what your potential is. Mm -hmm. Your potential is potentially limitless. <laughs> it's what you can and want to put into it. And so that in the end is what you're sort of striving for is to like fulfill that potential. How amazing, you know, that might feel. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm rambling, but that's where my head went. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and just to all of us. And I think, I think about this, you know, in our context in the club, right? So what I want our coaches to see when they see kids is just a group of people with limitless potential, right? And it's their job to bring that potential out. I do not want them looking for the talented kids or focus, focusing on the kids who are better at that point. I want them to recognize that those kids all have tremendous potential to develop these skills, right? Our job is to, through motivation and the right environments and the right instruction, to bring out that, to develop those skills, right? To develop those kids towards their potential, which is who knows where that is, right? right. We don't know where they're going in all walks of life, not just through sport, but they're learning something. They're developing skills in that moment that will allow them to uh, achieve whatever they choose to later in life. And I want the kids to know it. I want the coaches to be showing that, right? Because it's true. This is this is science, right? It's yes. not there. There isn't a governor on our abilities. Um, we don't know where our abilities stop. Ah. Uh. Which is so exciting and can be frustrating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just want to know, when can I be done? Um, so let's talk about another lesson. I know you've got a whole list of lessons over there. Just yeah. reel some more off. Yep. Yep. I mean, I, I think that's, for me, that's a huge one. I think, you know, there are others. Resiliency is huge, right? I talked about this road of, of athletic progression not being a smooth one, right? That it's it's not a, if you're going to look at a graph, it's not a straight line, right? It looks like the stock market, right? It goes up, it goes down, it has some bumpy patches, it has some years where, you know, it doesn't go up at all and things don't look good. And then, it, then you have some years of really good progression. That's really important. If you're not able to weather those bumps and to bounce back and to recognize that they're part of the process, then they can be really challenging. They, they can be things that knock you down that you don't bounce back from. So I think that making sh that's something that you learn through sport because think about it in most of our individual sports here. We, all of our sports are, we don't have team sports in the club, right? We have teams and we, we use those teams, right? Um, to help develop kids and provide a great environment. But when they compete, it's an individual result, right? 
in individual sports, only one kid wins, right? And everyone else is something other than winning, right? Lots of great results can happen there. But a great example, right? You, you don't win every time you go and compete. Mo- almost all of the kids don't win as you might through a soccer game, right? Where half the kids win, right? So you learn through sport resiliency. Okay, we didn't, we, I didn't win. How do I get better, right? Um, falling is a part of most of our sports, right? How do you get back up, right? Um, I think that sport, by pushing yourself, by falling down, uh, teaches that resiliency that when you go into other pursuits, um, when you don't achieve your goal right away or you have setbacks, you understand that that's part of the process and that's part of becoming better and that's the road to your goal. They're fundamental to the road to your goal. I love this. Um, it kind of, one thing that really came to mind quickly was the idea that all these kids are going to go through puberty. We went through puberty and during puberty, my athletic journey was all over the place and it, it hits you mentally. It makes you want to maybe throw in the towel at some points. But I think about adults, let's give this example, who want to learn how to run and they want to do a 5k You don't build them a program that's one week long so that they're just on a high for one week and they're like, I did it for a week, now I can do it. You build them a program that's like 12 weeks or longer because at some point in the middle, it's going to get really hard. They're probably going to want to quit, but they're going to learn that if they just keep going through that little 12-week curve and they come out of that, it will get better. And then they're going to go, oh yeah, the next time it gets really hard, they're going to know, yeah, it gets better again. I forgot, I just have to get through this part to get better again. And I know that's a funny example. It's a small, like a short example of something that maybe some adults listening can relate to, but our kids are going through that on a lifelong, like decades example here, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I think about your sport too, Nicole, like your background, triathlon, it's a long event, right? You probably have some moments during a triathlon where you feel really bad and you're like, you want to stop, right? Yeah, pretty much in every race, there's a point when you question if you should just drop out. Right, right. It hurts. Every and it's race. a long ways <laughs> and like you're stumped. But those could be your best event, your best competition ever, right? Like you, after the swim, you know, starting the bike, you feel like your stomach's upside down and that could be, could have been your best uh, triathlon ever, right? I think that's something that, again, you, that's an experience through sport that you go, okay, this is a bad day in academics or in my work, work life, but it's not everything, right? You need to get through this and keep going. And this is part of success is not letting, not dropping out, right? Right. Keeping the perspective, recognizing that it's not over, that everyone experiences these things. So for, to your point, like sport is just a great place to learn these things, right? Well, There's not as much consequences, right? Yeah. And, and it, you know, the second part of this question that's kind of inferred, I think by asking it, but I think is worth talking about a little bit today is, Yeah, there's great lessons you learn through sport, but how do they apply to your life now? And you've been sort of naturally answering that with, you know, with each lesson, talking about how it impacted you or this thing that, you know, seemed tough. And now in your career or maybe even in marriage or as a parent, you can use those lessons. So I wonder if you can think of any examples of lessons you learned through sport that you clearly use today outside of sport. 
Sure. And I think I, I also like to not draw a line between the lessons that are valuable in sport and the lessons that are valuable outside of sport, right? So a fundamental principle, principle of sports pedagogy is that um, there is learning about the sport, like the skills about the sport. That's one thing. But also fundamental to sports pedagogy are what are the skills that you're learning through sport that apply to everything else, in, including sport? Like they're, so they're, they're, uni- they're both as important, right? Right. So we don't need to separate the things, right? We say those skills about building relationships and being a great team member, they're going to benefit you in sport and outside of sport, right? Those lessons about character and maturity, they're going to make you a great snowboarder or ski racer, and they're also going to make you a great friend and a great partner as well, right? Um, those lessons about grit, right, and, and resiliency, they allow you to succeed in your athletic endeavors, um, and you can't really succeed without them, but then they transfer right away, right? So, you know, I think that if you know, I'm a parent right now, so of, of, of young kids, right? So I have a five-year-old and a, and a one-year-old and it's hard. I'm going to be honest. Like, you know, so my wife, my wife and I are both uh, former athletes. She had a higher level than I, she's an Olympian in, in biathlon. And I think we would both say, admit readily that parenting is harder than any of our athletic pursuits by a long ways, right? So our kids uh, are not the best sleepers, right? And haven't been all the way. So we put a lot into our parenting um, and, you know, making sure that they're getting enough sleep and that they're well supported and are developing has been a huge priority of ours and a challenge, right? And it's really hard, right? It's really hard to go for years kind of sleep deprived as a lot of parents can relate to, I'm sure, right? So, but there's a lesson of endurance from our sports, right? That it's, you know, that you can get through this, that if you keep trying, you will succeed. Um, that, um, you know, it's not about where you are in this current moment exactly. It's about keeping going and having belief in, in what you can achieve. You know, we would do training sessions regularly that were three or four hours long, right? Um, and you have to learn to deal with some discomfort and pain, right, in those experiences. I feel like parenting's a lot like that too. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a lot of work. Uh, there are a lot of times where you're like, wow, this is, this is really hard right now and doesn't feel good at four o'clock in the morning being awake, but understanding that it's worth it and that it will lead to a positive outcome um, and things will get better. That I feel like for me, that comes from sports so much. And I, people, people can learn that from other places too, of course. But for us, I feel like that's come very much from sport. Um, I actually really appreciate and feel better hearing you say that your kids don't sleep. <laughs> You're very articulate <laughs> for four or five years of sleep deprivation. I used to think people were lying when they said their kids were good sleepers. Our kid didn't really sleep till probably first grade. Right. So, you know, you've got another couple years for the older and then six more. You'll be fine. Right. Right. You can do this. Yeah. I love that. I love it. And and again, you know, it will get better someday. I'm glad to hear that. Yes. Thank you. Yes. But we all learned this through sport and each other. Um, so, you know, I think this topic is loaded. I think there's so much more to it. We could sit here all day and talk about more lessons we've learned. Did I miss any big lessons that you want to share today? Well, one thing I think is important to mention is that there's so many positive things from sport. Just the intrinsic, extrinsic benefits are 
there's so many, we talked a lot about them, but like anything else, there can be some negative things about sport too. We talked a little bit about overtraining, right? About professionalism, um, about the pressures of sport. So sport has just as much potential to have some negative consequences as it does positive. Unfortunately, we need to be aware of that at the winter sports club, as parents, as coaches, that kids can get too into it, right? That they can become, um, very anxious about their results. If, if not guided in the right way, it can become a lot of pressure, um, that they can, uh, make choices about their nutrition or about supplementation that are not healthy for them because of sport, right? That they can sacrifice their academics because they're too focused on sport. Um, there are a lot of ways also where sport can become a negative um, aspect um, of an individual's life. We need to be aware of those too um, and focus on the positive aspects, but but not have our heads in the sand when it comes to some of the ways where sport can can have a negative impact too. So I just want to make sure that that parents hear that, that our that our staff hears that, and that we're all on the same page there of looking out and building upon the, all the incredible lessons and, and positive things that sports brings to our lives, but also being aware and, and making sure that our programs and participation in sport doesn't have a negative impact on people's development. We're so lucky to have you. It's great to be here. <laughs> Wait, do I get to ask you the final question? What is that? <laughs> what is the greatest lesson you've learned through sport? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I think, you know, for me, it comes again, it does come back again to that, that we're not inherently skilled or ta- talent, like people don't have inherent skill and talents, right? That though that our, our universal ability, our uni- fundamental universal skill talent is our ability to learn, right? That's what I've learned, right? I look at things in life and don't say I'm good or bad at that, or I'm naturally gifted in this or I wasn't gifted in this. I look at things and go, if I choose to put in the necessary work and time and planning and evaluation, I and anybody else can become proficient at anything and develop those skills. Um, that is the fundamental lesson for me. And I I think about it with academics as a great example. I I think when I was growing up, I was just as motivated academically as I was athletically. Uh, I I enjoyed it, right? I was interested in things. Um, And the skills that you learn as an athlete about training planning and about the work you put in and how much better you can get. You look at a a new technique in skiing and you you cannot do it when you start. You are not able to even do it at all, right? And you look at what people at the, at the highest level, how they're able to do it, and it's, it's such a huge gap. And then you put in the work, and years later, you're doing it, right? And then you apply that same thing to academics. You go, I don't know anything about this subject, right? I am, I don't under, I, I'm reading this book, and I don't understand it. But if you bring that lesson from sport that No, if I put in this time, if I have the right resources, the right teacher, if I put in the thousands of hours of work that it takes to master this, you can master that skill and and master that subject. That is the the fundamental lesson for me of sport that that I've learned. Um, You have to remind yourself of it, but I think that's the most important lesson. Dave, you rock. 
You rock, Nicole. <laughs> that was so much fun. All right, parents and listeners from wherever you are, we encourage you today to think about the greatest lesson or many lessons you've learned through sport. Write them down. Think about how they've affected your life and uh, and sit with that. That's That's what I say today. What do you say, Dave? That sounds great. <laughs> awesome. All right. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club Show presented by Honey Stinger. Check out the club's winter and summer programs at sswsc.org. If you have a special topic or guest you want featured, we'd love to hear from you. Now get out there and support, lead, or be a champion on or off the mountain. <laughs>